0: Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, Benficaindependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio. Uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidades if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidades but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidades on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidades talk on BFig and along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, podcast, and uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Benfica Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent.
1: Ser Benfica é uma coisa. É uma religião muito grande. A um culto. É crente, que é liberado, que é mental, que é mental, que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão, é outra explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser Benfica. Mas de facto, uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão.
0: Ser Benfica. Yeah, what's going on everybody, welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Fica podcast My name is Alfredo Fumacic, episode number 407 is what we're serving up tonight With me as always, my partners in crime, the Oliveiras, no relation, or maybe there is a relation Cristiano Oliveira, come é amigo? Why do you always have to remind everybody that
2: Dave and I aren't related? I mean, what if Dave and I wanted people to think we're related, what's wrong with that?
0: You guys could be related. I just no, but you always know I could people. prove it.
2: Well, uh, listen, Olivera is right? They come from a tree and there's branches. Maybe we come off the different branch, the same trunk, but different branch. We could be cousins, could be still We're like on
1: opposite line. sides of the tree, but we're still from the same tree. Exactly. It's
0: an aloe tree, except for with the with the with the pit. Yeah, except Dave is fancier than you is the aloe vera. What's happened to Dave?
1: Nothing much good to be back on tonight, boys. We got a classical to preview tonight,
0: that's right. But before we get into the classical, we'll look at uh Benfica's game against (laughs) Autondela. Um, which Benfica won, and then Dave, as Dave mentioned, um, the the classical preview that at this point, I don't know if it if it means anything, or if anybody's looking at it with some excitement in their veins. Uh, But before that, today is uh, May 4th, uh, a date that marks the anniversary of the the Superaga uh, tragedy uh, that saw the Torino uh, team uh, vanish from an airplane accident after playing an exhibition match against Benfica, uh, a date that is in Benfica's history for obviously for, for sad reasons, uh, but nonetheless, it's part of Benfica's history. Um, so uh, always good to remember these dates, which were, are memorable in Benfica's history, especially at the time uh, that Benfica was one of the powerhouses in Europe. Uh, we're no longer a powerhouse in Europe, but still, we're our Benfica. Um, let's start right with the Stondela game. I'll give you the lineup. Um, Elton was in goal. Verissimo Vertongen were the, the back uh, two center backs. Uh, Gilberto and Grimaldo on the sides. Gabriel behind uh, Pizzi. Rafa and Everton on the wings. Walt Schmidt behind Seferovic. Uh, Otamendi and Julian Weigel suspended. Um, I think that, uh, that Gonçalves was, uh, was spared because he was on a, a yellow card risk. Uh, and also, I think that he. he came out of the last game a little bit uh, uh, with a knock, so, but he did end up coming at the end of the game. Um, so, Christian, is surprised that we were back to the, the two men uh, setup. Let me ask, I, I, I'll put, I'll put the question this way. Do you think that the three men defense started because George Zuz didn't want to sit one of the center backs?
2: First of all, hello, everybody, and thank you once again for listening to the Bifika podcast. Uh, I know Alfredo kind of cut me off once. I said, "Why you got to remind everybody that we're not family. He never came back to me and asked me once again how I'm doing, but so... Here I am. I'm doing terrific. Once again, on another beautiful Tuesday night, watching some baseball here, speaking to Dave about baseball home runs and the beautiful traditions of baseball. But nonetheless, we have a few minutes here to talk about Benfica. Thank you, Alfredo, for putting this all together. Without you, none of this will be possible. So, Ave Maria, panos para ti. Uh Nonetheless, to answer your question more directly, um, yeah, I, I actually think, because if you recall, I believe Benfica went to a three-man back uh before Vrismo even showed up. And I think that was a sign of things to come because I think
0: I don't JJ, remember that.
2: Yeah. When Benfica played sporting, I don't think I think that was before the transfer window, correct? Or am I or am I wrong? I think that was before the transfer window I think that was before
0: it wasn't a pronounced uh three man back, but we saw and no yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, right. you're
2: right. It was Jardel, Otamendi, Vertangen, and then Jardel got hurt and Vigo got pushed back. So if I'm not mistaken, I think that was before Verismu showed up, if I'm not mistaken. Or just as Please he was about up. to. Yeah, look up, look up. there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, we yeah, all knew that he was coming.
1: He's uh, he's 100% correct. The only... The only the only flaw in that uh, three-man setup against Sporting was Jardel got hurt in the 11th minute yes. and had to uh, get subbed out. But he did start the match with uh, three-man. Three-man, yeah.
2: But what I'm asking, though, is that game... What was yes, the date uh, of that game?
1: That game was uh, February 1st, so Verismu... Wasn't uh, even uh, I think Verissimo showed up
2: like that week because it was yeah. after the January. It was was after, so, the,
1: uh, yeah. So COVID, uh, the I th-
2: the final Champions of,
0: of the of Libertadores. Yeah.
2: So yeah. he went to that before. Verissimo was actually, if quote unquote, available to be played. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was going to get a player that he had asked for over and over. And, yeah, the two veterans in Otamendi and Vertonghen, two guys that, you know, had their ups and downs. For the most part, though, they had played relatively well, and I don't think he wanted to uh, push those guys aside. So he figured he could put those guys with the Crido that he'd been asking for for the last six months. And, look, I think it's – I mean, how many times do I have to tell you here, Alfred? I mean, for years now, I've told you, three-five-two, three-five-one-one, 5 2 whatever's my favorite uh, formation in football – you, you of course you need the players. You need the guys on the outside, what I call the two horses to make the flanks up and down and to make that whole system work. But I think it's, it's worked um, magically in some games and in other games where we did not expect me to go to a three man back. They did. And things haven't worked out as, as pleasantly as we'd hope. But uh, you know, I think that's what we'll see here on Thursday. And I know, you know, I'm getting ahead of to to to, to speaking about the preview for, for, for Porto, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll go back to a three man, um, back line against Porto but this week 442 with the old school two guys in the back the two guys center backs in the back uh Otamendi being out uh again what's he got 11 yellow cards on the season
0: Oh I'm I think listening. it was his uh his first well, suspension It was his 12th suspe- well, I-
1: Oh yeah, it is his yeah, yeah, second. Second. second yeah it's his second, sus-
0: second also It's a second
2: suspension already so uh and I just brought that up because I I believe Pepe is still only on four yellow and so Poligno if, is on six and is yet to sit. Well, Poligno never got six. He's still like on what that never counted. We don't know what Poligno is, but Poligno that his, his don't add up. But the reason why I miss this, if you're a gambling man and you bet it on Otamendi beating Pepe, I mean, I think you're, that might be the only bet you're going to win this year is Otamendi's going to finish ahead of Pepe in that, in that category.
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh, an initial period where both teams pressed each other high, I was surprised that Tondela came in and pressed mefica high and, in their stadium, of course. And uh, as we've seen, once teams press Benfica high, Benfica has a really hard time getting out of the back, and and that's what uh, what was happening. But Benfica would eventually um, get on the scoreboard early, and it seems that there was a certain sense of of urgency uh, to finish off this game because, obviously, you got the Porto game on, on the horizon, and you kind of wanted to put this one away, and you didn't really want to take this one late, and that's what uh, Benfica did was able to get two goals um, in the first half, uh, the second goal actually being the 100th goal of Benfica's season. Dave has a as a stat about that once we uh, talk about numbers. Uh, but but certainly the second half was a lot more subdued by Benfica. As a matter of fact, I think the first 15 minutes, came came out. Uh, had a couple chances that uh, that Elton did well to to parry away or, or save, uh, but really the second half was uneventful. But also, Tondela never really looked to threaten Benfica after that initial 15 minutes. Nah, they had a tremendous chance in the second half. What was the second half? It was early on.
2: They had a tremendous, yeah, they with that, that 40 shot, it just wide. He had like two chances. I don't
0: now I remember, bro. Yeah, like they I'm had so- a chance in the 58th minute, and then okay. uh, and that was their last chance. But Elton late right in the 49th minute had a monster save on yep. them. Uh, but the 60 was really another save by Elton late, and after that, uh, Tundelo was pretty quiet.
2: Look, the most impressive thing about this game is that Everton finally showed up to play. Glad to see him play. PZ, the Manku master, what do you know? Once again, stepping up when Benfica most needs him against these Mankus, and credit to him. Um, And then it was just Blase, Blase, Sferovic missing open nets. It's just the same old Benfica. Now, thing think that's frustrating... And not to sound repetitive, but I think if you've listened to the Benfica podcast over the last five, six years, we've been repeating the same lines over and over and over, which is, or the same question, I should say, which is what in hell happens in that Benfica locker room at the halftime? Because when these guys come back out to the second half, it's as if they're sleepwalking. And as you just mentioned, Tondela had a couple of, uh, you know, fantastic opportunities. Uh, luckily for Benfica, Helton stepped up and, you know, did what he had to do. And then the other one, put it wide you know Benfica got very lucky in that because things could have gotten very interesting at 2-1 it would have changed the whole uh, you know uh, outlook of the game and you know we've seen Benfica in these times that you know sometimes they just haven't played as we expected so uh, once again that 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 halftime speech must be a snoozer let me tell you we need Lodge to come back and tell people that somebody's pregnant I don't know that's, that's the only time I can remember I can remember a halftime speech working
0: um Dave, your your homeboy Seferovic, Mister Inconsistency. Now that he's had an inconsistent game, do you think he's going to turn up for Porto?
1: This is two back to back, where back to back where he's missed uh, complete sitters uh, on it, so it uh, raises some concern leading up to a, a big match. But uh, we'll see what what happens. I'm not too confident just based on his uh, his form the last two games, uh, two crosses and it... Just needs to get a foot on it and manages to skyrocket it to the the moon. So, not uh, too confident with uh, Seferovic leading up to the uh, the classical on uh, on Thursday. But uh, one other positive, uh, we managed to uh, rest uh, Gonzales and uh, we didn't get burned with uh, Gilberto who uh, playing on. Oh, Gonzales uh, came
2: week. in. Gonzales got a breather, but he came into the game.
0: Um, I guess just to get his beak wet. Uh, G- G- Gilberto was, yeah, when he was playing with regularity, he had a time where I said, "Well, okay, maybe there's a little bit of an inkling of a player." But Jesus, this game, what an atrocious performance by Gilberto! I I find myself questioning: Is this guy even deserved to be playing professionally? <laughs> Holy moly. I'm,
1: I'm sure there's some smaller clubs in Portugal that would love to have him, but he's not uh, No! I bet he's not Benfica quality.
0: Cristiano, between Herman, him and Hermes, who do you think? <laughs> uh I'll probably take Hermes because
2: I like his touch. <laughs> but, but Gilberto is a warrior. He gets his foot in there. He and is you know, a warrior. He's got that he's got that never say die attitude. And you know, uh <sighs> Look, he tries. That's that's the one compliment. We've seen him even against I um, believe Paul the came into that game and he was you could tell he's got that rasa that we like in these big in these big moments. Um and, and I think that's that's a plus. And you know, hopefully come this Thursday, once again, he, he's got that same attitude if he gets into the game and, you know, you could count on him as opposed, as opposed to having one of those pretty boys that are afraid to get their foot in because they don't want to get hurt. Gilberto don't care about none of that, you know? So I think that's that's the biggest compliment I can give him is that he's a warrior.
0: That's right. I don't and know look, whether he comes from the favela or not, but he certainly has that attitude. <laughs> he's got that favela. Look.
1: I thought you were going to say he's got that South American attitude and I get uh, get in Oof. trouble there.
0: No, no, not at all. Listen, I
2: just wanted to say that the great thing about a Swiss army knife is whenever you need it, it's there. And Sveirovic, we're going to need him on Thursday. The Swiss army knife is going to show up big time for us.
0: Yeah, you, you know what? If I'm betting, man, I'm I'm probably putting some coin that Sveirovic is going to score a goal. Because got, you, you can't have three games in a row where you're going to be that
2: bad at front of a goal. I'll give you a winner right now prior to the game, or two days prior. Put money that your boy is not going to score and you're going to win big bucks. And that's Darwin Nunez. That's guaranteed. Well, he's is not he even supposed healthy. to play. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My point being, why are you going to win? That's guaranteed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, Dave, uh, numbers on this game so we could uh, we could move on.
1: Yeah. Uh, like we said, Pizzi with his 15th goal of the season, uh, fifth in uh, league competition, the Manku Master uh, teams that PT has scored the most goals uh, against twelve uh, against Braga. Uh, I guess the super super Manku. That's his four That's his it.
2: former team. He's got he's got a personal vendetta against them. That's uh, yeah. that's compared to the rest of his numbers. That's like double anybody else. That's big. So that leads me to believe that there's something going on there. Maybe he left on bad terms. I don't know. But Alfredo, he wants <laughs> to stick it to them, bro. <laughs>
0: I
1: don't know. Uh, six six against Maritmo and Tondela. And then uh, five against Guimarães, Rioav Nacional, and uh, Famalicão. So, these uh, grand uh, teams in Portugal that uh, Pizzi turns up against. And uh, Everton with a goal and assist against Tondela. Putting him in a tie with uh, Grimaldo for the lead uh, league leader in assists with eight this season. Wow, they lead and- the Liga 1 in assists? With eight each, yes. Yep. yep. And uh, Benfica has reached 100 goals this season, something that's always been accomplished in each season with uh, JJ in charge. Yeah. Never in doubt. Never in o- doubt.
0: Only 58 goals in the uh, in Liga Nose, though. The rest of the goals come uh, came from uh, the different competitions. Eight, 16 or 18 goals from the Portuguese Cup.
2: Sferovic leads the Liga Nose in goals and he's missed another 80 so just think about how many he <laughs> have on himself
1: he he does lead the league and missed opportunities as well just uh, ahead of Medega. he's consistent
2: well. he's consistent he leads in every
1: category and missing and
2: scoring that that's a great striker
0: well and that's why i'm saying that uh you know he would be a be, he'd be a smart man if you put some coin on him because after two bad performances he's he's good he's primed for a good one and and i certainly uh hope that he will uh he will show up uh game against porto uh Wait, You didn't mention Mo- Morato made his debut. That's made that's his, big news. Uh you know what I kind of what I thought about Morato when he came in?
1: No, nope. not that he, he had
0: just came in, us. right? Uh, <laughs> uh you know, like Benfica uh during these title runs, there's always that player that has never played, and then he gets a little bit of time so he, be, so he so he could be considered that he's champion. He could also get a medal for he's champion. He's gonna get a medal. Uh, so that, that when I saw him come in, command, uh, that's what I kind of thought about. But then again, Benfica is not on the line to win a well, championship. But, but, yo,
2: they waited until the 92nd minute. They made sure there was like no time left in case he messes up. Ain't no time to mess this whole thing up. So they, they barely they gave him 30 seconds on the field, if that. Yeah. I think he got to touch the ball. He got to touch the ball once. He did get to so, touch the ball. It's good to see. For those of you that are big, made in, say, cats, right? Well, another
0: kid out of Seychelles that JJ promoted. Boom, my Zoom. Tomala. <laughs> you're right about that, man. You're right about that. Can we move on now, Chris? Uh, you're anxious to get over Tondela. Yeah. There's nothing else to talk about. You're right. Let's let's yeah. go talk about the nah, game. You know, there's a couple. I always like to take positive out of things. And, and one of the things about Tondela is that most of the game was pluralized play during the day i love Which I those hate. Sad- you don't like those afternoon games I, it I, reminds I, this, me of the 80s and 90s the afternoon games yes but i've gotten so accustomed to
2: watching nighttime football that for me it like i i can't tell who the players are i don't know it's weird at nighttime i have no problem see during the day i just i'm just so not used to because think about it champions league football it's three o'clock here, eight o'clock there, or nine o'clock, every, you know, Benfica games, normally most of them are, you know, four o'clock for us here. Right. Which is already nighttime in port. It's nine o'clock. In port. Like, so I would say 95% of the games we watch are nighttime games, unless I'm watching the 7 a.m. EPL game on Saturday mornings, which, you know, that's a 12 o'clock kickoff there. Uh, then you get the daytime, but for the majority, most of the games that I've watched in the last 10, 15, it's all night games. So I've just gotten so accustomed to it that it, it's funny that you're praising it. And I vividly remember sitting on my couch watching the game and saying in my head, "Like I hate these daytime games. I just I don't know what it is. I have a hard time identifying. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to call it identifying. It's just weird because obviously I know what the players are, but it's just it's a little bit weird."
0: Now, to me, it reminds me of the '80s and '90s when we used to watch uh, the, at the old Stade de Luge, and the stand that that faces obviously the TV cameras was like was like sun, like never-ending sun on that stand. Uh, and I, I I remember, man, I have, yeah, so I, have really er, er, I, I have really I, good memories. I have really
2: good memories of. Er, of, of uh, I had a black and white. I couldn't tell if that was sun <laughs> or what it was. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, even uh, Bala back then was black and white You couldn't get uh, color pictures in the bala. Only, the, only run, the cover you had, to, you had to run to Tusha You know, your dad used to go to Tusha all the time to get. No, he used to go to Casa dos Presentes Oh, wait, then Tusha, I think, took over, right? It, no, they, they, they were both sellers of the papers Oh, okay, okay, okay My dad just used to go to Casa dos Presentes uh, more often Because he was friends with the owner I than, remember than those Bola those newspapers People were hanging with, like, out outside people who are hanging out outside for the guy to show up from the airport. You know, I miss- the, the flight from Portugal always arrived yeah. like what, three, four o'clock or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the guy used to bring you uh, like a stack of papers. And my dad always had his reserve because when he showed up at six o'clock after work, then he would have his. Otherwise it would be sold out. That that was a, that was a hell of a job going back and forth to get newspapers. Think about the
2: travel miles you get, bro. That was, you got a lot.
0: It's Go just back and- <laughs> right
2: to the airport. <laughs> No, nah, but yo, the one thing, though, Alfredo, that I miss about those times, and I'm pretty sure Dave in Toronto, where he's from, I'm pretty sure they had similar situations. But I miss... Well, I miss coming out of church right down Jefferson Street, right? And then you come out onto onto Ferry Street, and you'd have one bellotto with the little radio with the antenna, right? And there's like 10 guys around him watching. and then And then things got fancy, Dave, got really fancy, because then... Um, it's Portugal yourselves had TVs and like, you know, in the window to sell advertisement. Right. And they would have the game. So there would be, cause bro, back in the days you had that monster satellite dish that you could connect to Mars. Right. Like, and so barely anybody had those things in their house. So people just gather around on a sidewalk on a busy ass street with everybody. And it would be fans from Port Sport if you name it. And everybody's like trying to hawk this window to watch the game. And yeah, those are fun times,
0: man. Those are it, fun it, times. It, it was that in that uh, they used to have a van with a sound system with those with those <laughs> the big speakers. The, the big speakers are, like the megaphones, but the, yeah. the speakers, and they used to have it on top of the, the roof of the of the those van. And they used to play the lot and, and, and all the veg would sit over there in the sun, listen to the, better
2: than the relato, though? The LAT
0: was like, here's a throw in. Hey, oh, hey, you're like, what You
2: go, like, no, bro. The ball, you guys didn't land so ball. Well. Are you thinking it's a goal? Hey, hey bro. The, the, those relatos are absolute. Like, you watch a if you're listening to a LAT and you obviously you can't time it together, but you try to pair it to what you're watching on the field. Bro, you're like the you're hundred miles an hour. You watching the ball on the field, like Gabriel, easy. Easy back to Gabriel. But the it makes shit sound so interesting. You're you're right?
0: engaged, man. The yeah, lato, it's... you're engaged because you always feel it's a dangerous opportunity and the guy just crossing
2: the halfway line. And if you're Portuguese <laughs> and you live outside of Port, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this was the case in Portugal as well. So, but if you're our age, Alfredo, you know our dads. Our grandparents, our uncles, every, they all had a little transmitter radio. That was a given. And like my dad's radio missing buttons or whatever. But that shit worked perfect.
0: It didn't matter. Like yeah. that radio the, was the shortwave, uh, the shortwave Grundig. That radios. was a must.
2: That was a must for the relato, yeah. bro. But yeah, yeah. good days, I, good, days. I,
0: good days. And I remember at the Casa dos Presentes and, and Casa dos Presentes is, is used to be I guess, a, like a gift store. They used to sell the newspaper, sells lotteries, sells Portuguese items. Uh, but what they the used to plates. do is they used to have, uh, a, uh, when the answering machines came out, right, where you could actually record your. So they used to have a line where people called just to listen to the guys recording saying, oh, in today's news. And he would give the news and the football news. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because Ebola uh, wasn't always a daily. A newspaper it used to come out on, I think, like Saturday.
2: Twice, it was like twice
0: a week or something like yeah. that. Saturdays and not on, on Sundays and Mondays, and then on Thursdays or something like that. And then it became a daily. So there was no internet back then so the only way of getting the news from portugal was to call that hotline and if you could imagine it was just one line so you sometimes you're trying to get through and somebody was i mean it was a short recording it was nothing but like 2 3 minutes of the guy just talking about what the what the headlines are like uh but yeah those were were really um Challenging times in, ter- in terms of ca- uh, keeping up with uh, with Befika. and I know my my dad used to bring the paper home, and I used to read it from from cover to cover. And Alfredo,
2: a lot of times that paper came out on Saturday, but you only get it on Monday, and you're <laughs> reading like yo, like as if that shit was crispy, brand new, but the news is old already. But yeah. you still, re- yo, sometimes because Joe Mansu was religious with these newspapers, so I'd be in his car with his son, whatever, with my brother, and like. Newspaper be three weeks old, but i never seen it. I'm still reading this. You know what I mean? To me, it was news. It was yeah. it was great news. I mean, yeah, it was great times. Def- definitely different times than, than what we have today. Yeah, And for I think sure. it made us appreciate it a little bit more. Um, yeah. Because highlights, there wasn't no highlights. So you get the Domingo Sportivo on Sunday night, and you get to see the two clips for the Befica game, and that was it. That's all you saw. And back yeah. in the days, ladies and gentlemen, you youngsters that are listening to us here now, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm an old man because I'm not. But, you know, just different times. Back in the days, every game was on Sunday at 3 p.m. So yeah. if RTP was giving Porto and you hate Porto and you're a Benfica fan, you're shit out of luck. If it's game Benfica and you're a Sporting fan. Sorry, brother. It's Benfica-Bolens. You're, you're not watching it. You better sit around and yeah. hope that somebody's got the Portuguese channel so you can watch the Domingo Sportivo to watch the, the one minute and 30-second long highlight of your game of Braga, Sport, whomever. It was Stubo, Betama, whatever. Because whatever game was on TV that day, that's what you watched. There was nothing yeah. else.
0: Yeah, and like the Domingo Sportivo was basically, a you know, they, they played it at night, and it was – a recap show, uh, where they showed highlights from the games where they had the cameras at. It wasn't all the games that they had cameras at, just like now. Uh, but it was, yeah, you kind of waited for that Domingo Sportivo to come on because that's the only time that you could watch highlights. There was there was no internet, there was no YouTube, there was there was nothing, man. There was nothing. Uh, so it, it was challenging, man, and to be able to uh, grow up um, watching. And, and finding out about Benfica. And a lot of times, if you could imagine this, without you watching everything or following the way you did, a lot of the stories were passed from mouth to mouth. Um, the legendary stories about Eusebio, uh, the legendary stories about Humberto Coelho, uh, Tony, which were guys that I just missed in my generation. All of that you got from your parents. So there's, there's a certain mythical or mythology if you will about these benfica teams uh heroes. and especially the way they were they were, they were, they were large head. larger super than life larger yeah. than life uh and it's not like now i mean the guys that cristiano and i and dave's a little younger than not than us the guys that Cristiano and i are were used to watching larger than life characters and the fact that you didn't have so much information on them it built up their image even more or or that mythical figure of these these guys that were just heroes just to give you an example veloz was a superhero to us <laughs>
2: Yeah. A Velin capitão, a capitão Velin, whatever.
0: I and that Veloso mean. was nothing special, uh-huh. yes, but he yes. was Mr. Benfica almost. Right back, right? left back, uh-huh. Yep. And, and he was just I the, did it the all. type of guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yep. back then, man, just uh, your 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 hunger for Benfica was uh kind of satisfied but not really it was because the information that was available was very very small and condensed and very limited, uh but it just helped build up that that passion for the club uh not like now but that you got have access to everything you can make your own opinion back then. it was what the stuff that made of legends the one thing,
2: the only thing, and I know a lot of people are gonna kick me in the head when they hear, but let me finish the only thing I was happy about the whole Vietnam era. Is that for most of that? I didn't, There was no way to watch. So like, I just I read about it in the paper. I didn't get to watch a lot of that crap. So, I I, I lived a lot of that Vietnam by newspapers. I didn't get to like now. Imagine like imagine me now, imagine us now with all this access that we have going. And, and look, we have a disastrous season on our hands.
0: But nothing and compared to the Vietnam. No,
2: and, no. But no, I'm just saying we have a disastrous season, and we're ready to like jump off bridges. Imagine 11 years of that, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine wow. finishing, what was it, sixth? Sixth six right? is the worst ever. I, 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 like, that's, imagine having that type of access and, and sitting here and breaking it down on the Befica podcast, Befica FM, whomever, and just sitting there every week. I mean, I'm telling you, I think our and Befica FM would have killed themselves by now. I think we would have joined them. I think it would have been – It just – having all this access with this video and a way to get all the back behind the scenes and everything with the those disastrous results year after year. And there's no freaking way. No end sight. in sight.
0: Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Is ev- so every- that's the one positive. That's yeah. the one positive. We could yeah, watch that shit. All the time. I, and I remember I used to work with this guy that was a huge Rafika fan. And, and every, every beginning of the season, it's oh, yeah, the end year. year. this is this is the every year. every year. Every year, and then halfway through the season, freaking Porto is running away, eight points, eight points lead, and no sign of wavering from them.
2: Eight points at someone who's two
0: points. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing:
2: here's eight the points
0: thing. with ten jornadas in. Here's the thing.
2: <laughs> I so if you could imagine, I'll, I you know our, our, the way Benfiquistas feel about portistas and that whole era. I had. I don't want to call it the displeasure. I guess it was a displeasure because I am i was happy to. That's my best friend. But the displeasure of having. So picture picture the worst Portista on the face of the earth. Picture my boy Makaku, like 10 times worse than that. All right. The guy that the big super, super, whatever his name is, leader from Porto, whatever. My best friend growing up was worse than that guy. The absolute worst. He still continues to this day. And that's what I had to live through. So, I mean, the positive was I wasn't watching it, but I never escaped it. So it was like, you know, we didn't need Alfredo, me and Laborio. We didn't need the we didn't need the 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 uh the We didn't like this month, We some way somehow he always found out the score. In some way somehow we didn't have cell phones at the time, but we, none of that. We had the beepers, right? Cool as hell with beepers. But some way somehow that motherfucker found a way to you know to get a hold of me and still it was, I mean. Think about the Vietnam and now throw all that. It was misery for me. Absolute misery. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's some positives, but there's also some negatives. But I think that we, like I said before, we learned to appreciate it. We're not trying to bore any of you guys and no. we apologize if we are we're just reminiscing. But, but the one thing about the Benfica podcast here is that sometimes we like to go off on these on these little stories. We like to take the long way around. Right, we're going to get into the Porto stuff, but I think some of these some of these old timer stories are important. Um, so you guys get to know a little bit about our history, about ourselves, about, you know, what we went through, because we all and you guys, you guys included at home watching this, I mean, or listening to this, I should say, you guys have your own stories as well. Yeah. You know, look, we just, we're fortunate we're here, we have a microphone and I'm pretty sure if we all sat around, you know, fire bonfire and drinking some beer, you know, your stories would be just as entertaining. And so yeah. we're not trying to bore you, uh, but just letting you guys know a little bit about ourselves.
0: Well, even like the younger generation where they came into Benfica as Trapattoni won that title after so many years. Um, a lot of the younger generation came up on that, uh, and Dave's probably one that kind of got in touch with Benfica around that time. But living through that Vietnam, man, that was that was painful. That was. No, painful. I definitely,
1: I definitely agree with uh, with that. I was born in '92, so kind of caught the tail end of the Vietnam. Uh, beginning of the Trapatoni era, like like you're saying there, Alfredo, but I remember my dad being miserable as hell those uh, Vietnam years. I'm pretty sure he blamed uh, my birth as uh, the reason why Benfica was going through Vietnam, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was not pleasant times, but yeah, definitely one of uh, not the first memory of uh, Benfica, but one of the uh, most pleasant memories was the the Taça Portugal against yes, the uh, the the Porto the the, pre, the year first uh, the first year and then winning the uh, the Campeonato the uh, the next year uh, as well. So some some of my earlier uh, Benfica memories and,
2: and that was a Champions League winning football club of Porto that we beat at the time with the with Jose Mourinho the special one great one whatever you want to call him the Roman yeah. one nowadays. But yeah, Dave, I mean, when you got into it, you know, there were some upsides. We had to eat a lot of, you know, Palmadeiras, Ruibentus, and all the Aisha, and all these guys, Pring- Pringles. I, I don't even want to say half of these guys' names. Stop. That's yeah, true.
0: there's um yeah, those were those are some interesting times for sure. And I think that having lived through those times and in, in the way uh, we grew up initially in finding our love for Benfica and those teams and then going through that Vietnam and now seeing this more modern with the new stadium, uh, with the things that uh, Benfica has been able to accomplish, especially uh, with, the, with, the, with the Penta, right? Penta? No, Tetra. Tetra? If
2: you're over 40 years
0: old and you're still a Benfiquista today, <laughs> that's, that's
2: true love. Because if you survived and you went through that 11 year without giving up and you stuck around, you can never say that's not true love.
0: That's right. That's right. You well, youngsters,
2: Dave, eh, it's true. I'm not saying all of them, but it's not that true love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, my dad always says you can uh, you can always divorce your wife. You can never divorce your your club. You that's can't right. pick your
2: mother or your club, bro. Your mother, no matter what happens, came out of... That woman, that's it. Your wife, you get many, your mother, it's all a woman. Your club, you know what I mean? Right. You, just, yo, you live and die by the, you know?
0: That's right. We're about to uh, write another page in uh, history with uh, matches against Porto. This match uh, is being played uh, this upcoming Thursday at Stade Luz. Uh, 6.30 local, so we'll see some uh, daylight still uh, during that game. Um, Dave, I think that uh, everybody knows what uh, what Porto's been up to this year, but uh you got some numbers here, let's have them.
1: Let's uh let's get it uh, done and over with here. Second place with 70 points from 21 wins, 7 draws, two losses uh this season, 6 behind leaders uh Sporting four ahead of us. Uh they've scored the most goals this season in the league with uh 61 but have also conceded quite a few with uh conceding 27 historically they've got the advantage on us uh, we've got 88 wins 61 draws 97 losses last 10 at the uh the luge four wins three draws three losses so pretty even uh there and this is going to be the first mi- uh, midweek clasico uh for league competition since uh, march 4th 2003 which fell on a tuesday
2: 61 goals for Sporting to Porto 15 on penalties and another 28 <laughs> not called. Think about that.
0: Yeah, Benfica is a, is actually the second uh, best attack in the league with 58 so trailing Porto by thir- by three uh, goals. Benfica also has the second best defense uh in the league only having only allowed uh, uh was it 21 goals second only to Sporting which I think uh I want to say 16 or 18 that they've allowed. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of uh, injuries, uh, Terapt uh, maybe doubtful. Almeida's out, Somebody's is out, Darwin is doubtful, Jardel is out. Um, on Porto's side, Corona looks like he's going to be out. Mbai and Zaidu, I think they're doubtful. Um, Artur Suarez Dias has already been named um, as the referee for this I thought
2: you were going to say he's going to be doubtful too.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see if he's doubtful or not, but uh yeah, he's already been uh, nominated for this game. Um I got to be honest with you guys and and I'll have you guys also tell me how how you feel about this game, but I think that the the latest events with uh, with with Porto um kind of leave Porto's already a team that approaches this game as if there it's a the last game they'll ever play in their life. That's just the mentality of Porto, as Cristiano likes to say. Uh, going to your house, eat, eat the chicken, and blah 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 to put the throw the bones at you, whatever. But I think that because of what has gone on lately with Porto, where that motto of uh, us against the world has uh, now taken on a, a, a new meaning with this latest controversy. I think that it's going to be. I, I don't have a very good feeling about this game in terms of the attitude that Benfica can bring to this game. I think that Porto is going to have an even bigger chip on their shoulder. And then, don't forget, I don't think that Porto has forgotten the, the first uh, round game where Benfica came into the Dragão and really uh, did a, a number on Porto in terms of physicality, uh, things that we're only used to seeing from Porto when they play Benfica. I think this is, I, I I don't I don't have a lot of hope for this game, Dave.
1: I I'm feeling kind of hopeful just from seeing that performance in that that first leg, if you want to call it, uh, back in January. That's a a, a team that looks uh, different now with Verissimo in the in the back line there, and if we can match that same intensity, bring it uh, bring it to the Estadio de Luge. Uh, this Porto team, the last couple of uh, games against these uh, these smaller clubs in, in Portugal have just been scraping by and just getting their their results. So um, I think we definitely have to, if we bring that same mentality and, and match that same aggression that we, we brought the, the, in the first round of games, I think we come out with a, a positive result.
0: Cristiano, what does your gut tell you? Um, I couldn't agree more. I
2: think it's all about the intensity it's all about how benfica shows up for this game if if we match that same attitude that same garra um that we saw back in february at the at the estadio de Dragon, i think benfica is going to be okay because we know one thing's for sure um and i think as a benfiquista i know some of you guys don't ever want to praise porto and i'm not a fan of ever praising porto but i think the one thing that you, i i guess you, i guess leaves me I don't want to, you know, that that I could praise, right, for lack of a better word, is no matter the game, no matter the opponent, no matter the situation, Porto always comes to play. They might not play great. They might not be the flashiest team out of field, but you know those guys are going to give it their all. And I hope that Benfica matches that intensity. If Benfica does that, I think we'll be okay. So, I, you know, J.J., has to to get his men ready, um, and it's very simple, man. Just just seed some of the crap that these guys say about Benfica. They have they have no respect for Benfica. And play some of these clips in the locker room. Hang up some of these sayings, some of these newspaper clips. Hang them up on PZ's locker. Hang them up on Svetovic's locker. Like a lot of this stuff. And and the coach doesn't even have to say much. These players for a game like this, right? You should always be be ready and motivated. But you just look back at some of the history some of the bullshit that's gone on um and you know with this with these two teams and and if that's not going to enrage you it's not going to get you ready to play a game like this please do me a favor if you're mentally weak like some other players crying after be a, right, look pack your bags get get the get out don't even don't even show up for this game if this is going to make you nervous if you're not going to be up for a game like this if you're just going to be second guessing yourself and you know this is not the the type of matchup this is not the type of attitude you want to have grab your bag don't don't even go to the bench just get
0: out just get out of my locker room um I think that the fact that there's a four-point lead uh, or between Porto and, or a four-point gap between Porto and, and Benfica is probably something that's going to take a little bit out of the motivation because I think that if this is a game where Benfica now can clinch or can pass Porto and grab that second spot and ultimately be in uh, in control of their fate uh, in terms of whether they make it to the Champions League automatically or not, uh, and the players also understanding that there's a bonus behind that, Right. From from the team, because there's all these clauses that get uh, that get established before the uh, the beginning of the season. Um, I think that the fact that there's four four points there and looking at the schedule, which we'll discuss in a little bit uh, of what both teams have. I think that even if Mefica wins and understanding that Porto has three easy games uh, after that, Uh, where they're probably not going to give up a point or not going to lose any more points the rest of the season. I think that's going to take a little bit out of Befica's motivation. Cristiano, what what do you think? Do you think that is a different story if there was a three-point gap? I mean, look, on paper,
2: you're right. It's a four-point gap, and obviously it's a three-point game. It's not four points at stake. So in those terms, yeah, you're right. But like I said before, man, if you need any extra motivation for a game like this against Football Club do Porto at the the Luz, you're not cut out for this. That's the way I feel, Alfredo. I don't care if Benfica and Porto are in 13th and 16th place. This game is always going to mean something extra than the final three points. Okay. Even if it's a mental edge going into next season, you tied them at their house. We lost the Super Cup, right? We went to their house, we tied, we win this game, you know, we're heading into next season off of victory. That might be just the mental edge. Everything counts in between these two teams. And so, again, as I've said, you don't need any extra motivation for a match like this against football Clube Porto. Unfortunately, it's only three points, not four points at stake. But, hey, you never know. You're there to win every single game. You win this game, you're one point out. Porto trips up, you handle your business. And you can still lock up that second place and like I said a few podcasts ago which was as bad of a season as it's been if some way somehow we've locked up the second place and we win the tasa Portugal, it's not a good season but it's not a disaster season like you're gonna remember all times it's just going to be a bad it's gonna be you know a bad season you're gonna remember this as a bad season you're not going to remember this as a as an horrendous season as one of the worst seasons in the last you know in our lifetime you know, taking aside the, the the Vietnam years. You know what uh, I'm saying? So
0: Yeah. And and, and Dave, uh Cristiano brings up a good point about uh, being cut out for this. How much of a test will this Porto game be to the medal of some of these players? We know that some of some players on this team belong, right? But there's definitely a lot of players on this team where they kind of they need to be reassessed on whether or not they belong. At Benfica, or if they just should be be put on the not needed list. How much do you think this game is going to be a test for these players in terms of assessing what their future with the club is going to be like?
1: I think for the most part, they're for most of these players, their their future is is set. Uh, unlike, like, it's really this won't be their their first uh, Clasico. Um, if I'm looking at players like. PC and uh player, players like that the only guy that I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of intensity he brings to this is uh verissimo with this being his first uh, match against uh porto i want to see if he if he brings uh that uh intensity to this this match but those other players that are on the fringes and we don't see them show up uh, against smaller clubs, not a na- nonetheless, uh, a club like uh Porto, I don't think this is gonna be make or break because I feel like those players' their uh, faith is already uh, sealed.
2: I've seen enough from Verizum not to worry about him going into this game, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm more interested in seeing a bounce back and seeing how you know Everton who finally had a good game this past weekend against Ondela, how he's gonna show if he's even gonna be in a starting 11. These are the types of things because I think, um when you spend that type of money for game changers, um, and, and again, he, he's not going to be easy to get rid of. So he's going to be on the roster next season. I want to see if this is the type of guy we can count going into next season. Because as I mentioned before, look, you pff, Sporting's going to need a real crazy meltdown, right? In order for them not to be champions. So you're most likely not going to be champion this year. But these games will tell me a lot about you going forward. So, you know. The Sferovics, uh, uh, we know about Svetovic. The the Darwin Nunez, if he does play. Uh, uh, Everton, right? Stuff like that. Players like Vigo to a certain extent. I want to see Vigo again with that garra in these games. Um, I think I think that's that's gonna tell me a lot about these players. BZ, Rafa, you know what you're gonna get. Hopefully they bring some of that intensity. Rafa shown that when he's on, he's on, but when he's off, he's really bad. BZ, you know, is another player that plays well against the smaller teams. He's had a couple of games here and there against these bigger sides, but for the most part, you know, he's just there for the showing. He's there to complete the 11. So hopefully he puts out a little bit more. Look, I just think that these players need to understand that playing against Fulocco do Porto is not playing against Dondela, against Gil Vicente, even though they beat us. But it's it's a totally different game. These are the games that you're going to be remembered for. These are the games that you're going to be measured against for the rest of your career. This is where you make your name. It's in these games. It's not going to be in the smaller games, right? Smaller teams, I should say. So these players need to understand when you join Benfica, every game is a big game. When you play your rivals, more so than all the other games. But you have to bring it. You have to bring that intensity. You have to bring that attitude. We need to see that effort from these guys in a big game like this. And again, look, I know some people Already have the built-in excuse that no fans in the stands, yada, yada, yada. It takes away from the – I get it. You're right. It does. But when you're playing a rival like this with so much BS back and forth, man, look, when you're in that game, you're tunnel vision anyway, right? The fans don't got nothing to do with it. You're 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 just – you're over there. You're stuck. You're, you're just, Whatever's in front of you, that's all you're focusing on. Not what's around you, it's what's in front of you. And these players need to have that tunnel vision and they need to absolutely step it up and 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 they need to represent the Benfica shirt with honor and that pride that it takes to be a Benfica. And we want to see, look, I think a lot of Benfica's sometimes we don't even obviously we always want the result to be a positive one, but even if Benfica, but we Benfica does lose the game, but we see that Benfica was into this game, then players gave it their all sometimes you tip cap to the opposition say they're better than us but it's hard to accept when a team comes into your own house and they go in your refrigerator right off free. Of they eat your chicken they drink all your beer go go you know grab your wife and take it for a spin and then leave the door leave your house with the door open it's disrespectful with bones we've seen, on the floor yeah absolutely we've seen we've seen that from this club at our house multiple times we need to show them this is our house we need to have that mentality and that attitude man so that's yeah. the way I, feel. I mean, against these guys, it's, it's
0: <laughs> it seems <laughs> that we're always having this conversation ahead of the classical. It's always the same thing us asking for uh, for attitude from the team, and and we had it in the first round. Um, I just hope that some of that attitude and some of that fire is still there. And look, we were all we were all
2: ecstatic yeah, in the last classical because and I I know some put these us like, oh, you didn't play, shit. you guys are all proud, you're happy about a tie. I don't I didn't see a single Benfica used to celebrate a draw, celebrate a, the tie. What I did see is used to celebrate the Benfica celebrate the attitude. the attitude. That's what I've seen and because that's what we want to see from Benfica in every game and in particular against a rival like this one. So, uh, like Dave said before, I couldn't agree more. If they match that intensity, I think Benfica will be alright. Yeah. So what's does, left? Does JJ
1: show up in a suit? Is it going to be all business uh, this time? I mean, last time uh, when they went up to Porto, JJ was in the, the yeah. suit and tie. He traded in the track suit for the actual suit and tie. So, so it's a little. Be he's business. been
0: he's been wearing that vest for most of the year, but I think it's going to be too warm to wear that vest. I think I think he will. Um, I think he will because it's always a game that gets um, international exposure. Uh, and I think uh, J.J. as the egomaniac that he is, he kind of lives for that type of shit. Uh, so I, I very much uh, doubt that he'll show up in a track suit. But J.J. is, is J.J. Um, so what both teams got left, uh, Benfica will be at Nacional um, after Porto. The, in that same weekend, uh, Porto will play Ferenc at the Dragão. Uh, then Benfica will host Sporting at Estádio Luz. Porto will travel to uh, Rio Ave, uh, and Benfica will finish the season uh, at the Castelo, at the Don Francisco, against Guimarães in the last game of the season, as I mentioned. And Porto will be home against Bolinense. Um And looking at this, I mean, Nacional is struggling to stay up. Sporting is going to look uh, to clinch the title. If they don't clinch it before that, and then you got Guimarães, who's always a a, a tough game at the Don rix Porto, on the other hand, France is struggling. Riuvá, I think Riuvá is is steady. I don't even know where they're at, but I I think they're steady. They're uh, in a
1: relegation battle right oh, they now. they not-
0: Everybody's in a relegation battle <laughs> from from uh, from twelfth down. Everybody's in a relegation battle, and then they got Bull Lynch. uh But I think that I think that those teams will not be playing. Uh, in a sense that they, they're going to need the points to stay up. But Porto's schedule, a much easier schedule. And that's why I'm saying four points at this juncture, uh, that Gil Vicente game really kills us. Uh, four points at this juncture, considering the schedule that we have, Sporting and Guimarães uh, to finish out the, the season. I'm not so worried about Nacional, uh, but maybe the easy games have been the ones that, uh, that Benfica has uh, tripped up. Uh, I'm not so worried about Nacional, but Sporting Guimarães is going to be tough. Um, but Porto, Ferenc, Riwav and Bolinic, that's just run of the mill. Uh, and usually Porto has a hard time when they come to Lisbon to play other teams in the capital. But this time, Bolinic will travel up to the Dergão under Petit. Uh, so I, I really don't see uh, them giving up points for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, this Thursday um, and see where that leaves us. But uh, I think that seeing what I've seen from this team all season, I think that this team is a team that's uh, somewhat content with uh, mediocrity. Um, And I just think that if it was a three-point lead, I think that there's more motivation. A four-point lead, I think that Benfica is not looking behind them anymore with Braga on their tail. So I think at this point, Benfica feels that they can clinch that third spot and go to that pre-qualifier for the Champions League. It's not the same as going in early. It would uh, mean that you have to start your season early to prepare for these these games. But nonetheless, I think from what I've seen this this team and the attitude and and settling at times and and not having that sense of urgency and not having that fire in your belly to go to score one goal and go after the next one go after the next one and go after the next one, I I I don't know, man. I just don't I don't see it. You're crazy. I thought crazy. Uh,
2: uh, Porto a Benfica Porto game, bro. It, that's it. It could be, but like we, you and I say, you got post Doesn't matter. That's that. Forget that it's a four point game in a four, four point gap. Doesn't matter against these guys that there should be no motivation from the outside. That's self motivation right there. Alfredo. And that hey, Benfica, I, at Benfica
0: there's I, always the motivation to win every single game. I get that, but this, I don't see it with this team. I don't think this team has it in them. Okay, then get out. I just don't get out and, and and show me if you want to
2: stick around. Show me in a game like this that you have what it takes. This is what I mean. This is what I meant before. It's a game like this where you see where who's got the who's got them on in the right place. You know what I mean? Who's got a set of marbles in the right place? games like this. It's not 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 the Sportive Chaves and Paz Ferreira and Ferenc and o- o- Oliveira. No, 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 none of that. It's these games. These games
0: is Here, where you need to step up. Here's an exercise for both of you, and we'll do some homework. Uh, next next show, next podcast after when we recap this Porto game, I'm going to have an award. Oba. And the award is going to be... Laj's balls. Who's gonna be the winner of Laj's balls for the sh- for the, if there's gonna be any against Porto? We
1: got, got a lot of words.
0: we got a lot of words to give the, out here. The the criteria is you gotta have balls the size of Laj when he went to Turkey and left his left nut on the Asian side and the right nut on the European side. Sadly so- he
2: did leave him there though. He <laughs> got him back. It was all downhill from there. Nah, the rest of the year was fantastic. That year, he was awesome. Then the next year is where everything came off. So, he brought him back. He brought him back, I and mean, he was able to overturn a seven-point deficit. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, then they had their own seven or eight-point deficit, and they figured out a way to screw that up. Uh, but look, Alfredo, we'll do that homework. But uh, again, I uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again over and over and over. I'll say it to the cows come home. In a game like this, if you need some outside motivation if you need any other reason than the then your opponent right to to perform and to want to come out there and, and 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 really play with that you're not cut out for this team brother you're not meant for us you should look go pack your bags and go play in a nice town and go 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 to ferencia or some portimones they play in a nice beach town and Go chill out. Nobody will bother you. Right. Everybody be chilling. Go. There's plenty of spots throughout European football with nice beaches and beautiful cities because Benfica is not the club for you. I don't think anyone at the club should um, accept or should be OK with players, um, you know, of that magnitude. Players that aren't cut out for games like this. If you're not cut out for a game like this, you got to go.
0: Yeah, or go play for Santa Clara in the beautiful islands yeah, of, uh, of Azores. Beautiful, hope that beautiful The irrigation
2: island. system is better because a lot of games probably be the later canceled. But besides that and the fog
0: and yeah. is always a tricky one.
2: Yeah, but that's that's my data. That's not a social. Spot. Dude, I mean, oh, that's right. The your islands, you're,
0: bro. You're, yeah, right. Cent- you're right. Santa Clara is staying up. Nacional is going down.
2: We go back to the Steve days. Our geogra- ge-, ge how you say <laughs> geographical game is, is 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 atrocious on this podcast non-existent and i'm the dumb one.
0: you gotta carry the academic subjects here on the podcast i get it i get it no i just geography that's it what about math i'm pretty good at bad. you are i' I'm, good good at, at I'm
2: i'm good. i was good at everything in math until the x plus y equals z i that that messed me all up that's algebra, bro. I know that messed me up. That that's, was about that sixth grade uh, math. I was like, "Oh, for you, for me, seventh, seventh grade, seventh grade." <laughs> the longest the two years around. of my <laughs> life. <laughs> the longest two years of my life was seventh grade, bro. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: um. Anyway, that's all we got for you this um this episode. Uh, and w- sorry that we kind of went off on a tangent, but I think that at this point we're all pretty tired of of talking about these these games and it's good to reminisce and, and bring some different topics uh, as I'm sure that some of our audience can uh, relate to what we went through as we were growing up uh, watching and or, or growing up with Benfica uh, outside of Portugal as most of our audience uh, is um, at 10CO10 at 87DO87 at Benfica Podcast where you can find us on Twitter and all that good stuff. Don't forget to check out Benfica and lots of new content on there uh, and that's it Guys, any uh, parting words? Pa, Carrega
2: Benfica, that's it. Let's go Thursday. Show up, represent the shirt, represent the emblema, and and, and do what you have to do because ain't nobody bigger than the club. Benfica forever, my friends.
0: Mr. I can't D. Top
1: I top that. It. I can't top that.
0: Great. What do you guys think about the... Uh... Cristiano Ronaldo coming to Sporting. Ah, never mind. Take care, everyone.